Welcome to the latest Fifth Step podcast. Today I'll be talking to Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray about the changing role of uh, commercial insurance brokers in the UK. Uh, as a lot of listeners uh, would be uh, tuning into this podcast will know, uh, the broker role has been transforming and evolving over the last 20 years. But with the rise of Broker 2.0, which is a new fancy term that Darren's <laughs> coined uh, for, for this uh, evolving landscape, uh, there's going to be a lot of change ahead, and companies like Fifth Step will be very much involved in that transformation. So, you know, what are the sort of headwinds facing brokers out there at the moment today, Garen, and what are the opportunities? Well, I think the headwinds are, well, we've seen those headwinds in the in the more commercial, or the less commercial, the more consumer-orientated brokers. You know, if you think uh, 20 or 25 years ago, um, you know, it was very, very common for someone to buy their motor insurance or their house insurance or their travel insurance by going to a broker and discussing their needs with a broker. Um, and then the broker would come back with you know, a quote over the next you know, few days or week or whatever. And eventually the, the, the cover would be purchased. Mm. Um, and the broker did a great job of understanding the consumer's needs and their price range, etc., etc., etc. Well, these days, that doesn't happen for those kinds of products. People go online, they find the, uh, the product that they want uh, in the price range that they want, or they go to a comparison website. Mm. Now, this is different around the world. There are some regions where that's less likely, um, but certainly in the UK, um, the US as well, and other, other parts of Europe, um, for sure, that's increasingly the trend where... Mm. Uh, the you know lower end, if you like, consumer more uh, volume business uh, is increasingly done by comparison websites and or broker websites and insurer websites. Mm. So it, it's a, a low touch environment. That's coming too to the commercial aspect. Now I don't mean to say that there's going to be lots of comparison websites for you know different types of commercial insurance because I don't think that's um, I don't think we're quite there yet, but there is disintermediation that's coming in many different ways. And there's some of the risks and, of course, the opportunities that brokers face and why brokers need to turn into broker 2.0 rather than you know, sticking as they are or assuming that the past is going to return mm. and that they're, or that, that they're going to remain pivotal to the insurance process forever because I really don't see that as being the case unless they change and adapt to the to the market. I suppose, I mean, what people nowadays, whether it's a consumer buying their car insurance or a business that's buying you know, directors and officers insurance or whatever it may be, mm. people want speed and you know, ease of the, in terms of the transactions. So rather than taking a day or two for to buy an insurance or even uh, 24 hours, they probably want it to be done within a couple of clicks, potentially now, within minutes. I mean, is that is that something that, you know, you're seeing when you're speaking to well, yes, yeah, certainly, and uh, we hadn't discussed, um, you know, the, the different lines of insurance, but, you know, certainly DNO insurance, if I go back through my career, that was something that we were implementing in the early 2000s for a, uh, an organisation that I was the um, IT director for at that point in time, and, you know, we implemented a easy-to-purchase and an easy-to-validate uh, uh, process for directors and officers insurance and that was a very important one at that point in time because uh, directors and officers insurance was very profitable um, mm. and therefore the ability to be able to write more of that or a greater volume of that or to potentially come you know down the uh, 
our organization size stack to be able to uh, you know, find a greater uh, pool of people to be able to sell it to uh, was very key and very important. And insurers are still looking at those things and still looking at um, lines of business that they can do that with, and that's becoming increasingly popular. And for those more simplified or regular covers, they, you know, people are increasingly thinking, well, why do I need to pay a broker to help me with that? I can just go online and I can fill in the details and I can have the cover today rather than, you know, the insurer, uh, sorry, rather than the broker coming back to me in a few days or a week or whatever it may be. Well, I suppose a, a modern-day or sort of contemporary version of DNO would be something like cyber sort of uh, cover, wouldn't it? Really? Uh, that's, that's the new DNO, uh, uh, to, to, or business interruption or contingent yes. business interruption. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose the thing is there, how, how do you sort of simplify a potentially complex product such as cyber where a lot of people even now are still struggling to get their heads around what is a cyber insurance cover? Is it, is it someone who's maliciously hacking you or is it just because, you know, your IT, you know, with the BA and having their IT <laughs> glitch or whatever, which leads people stranded at an airport? I mean, how, yeah. how, how, how can brokers, you know, use technology to help to, you know, what, implement these covers quickly and, and but at the same time covering all the risks and understanding that? Well, I think that's the key. And I think that's where the boundaries, um, you know, get drawn is for complex cover, and BA would definitely be an organisation at the more complex end of the scale, then they're going to need the, the help and the assistance of a broker to understand their problem and to present their case and to get the best deal for them. Um, however, for a smaller organisation, you know, for a you know a five or a ten person company where it's a relatively simple uh, calculation to be able to say, okay, what kind of cover? You know, do you do business here? Do you do this kind of business? Are you, you know, uh, do you have a greater exposure in one particular area or a risk factor that the organisation, the insurer, has identified? If that's the case, then they may not be able to write it online. But in all other cases. They can write it online. And that's the kind of thing that we're seeing increasingly is, you know, the simpler end of the business is done online, low touch, low friction. Um, and then the more complex areas need either, you know, personal discussions with uh, an underwriter, but more commonly with a broker. Mm. And we're not saying here, you know, uh, that uh, brokers should be disintermediated at all. You know, I've been around the market long enough to understand and appreciate the value of uh, the, the brokers bring. However, um, it's not me or those within the insurance sector that need to be convinced. It's their customers because that, that need to be convinced. Well, well, one area, just because when you're talking, uh, what you're saying there is in terms of uh, adding value, there's some complex areas like cyber that we just mentioned. Or, you know, well, how about, how about if, if they were to work with sort of like risk consultants, you want to say like data protection officers? I mean... I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the you know the big brokers or the insurance uh, side, they've got teams of risk consultants now. But even if you're a regional B two B broker, it occurs to me if you've got a virtual data protection officer that can help you to add value to you, you know, to your clients when you're selling them a, a cyber insurance policy, that would make a lot of sense. It? It, it it does make a lot of sense, uh, Chris, and it's something that we've spoken to a number of brokers about. But Unfortunately, very often the margins uh, the brokers are working on are relatively tight. They don't always necessarily see it as their job to provide it as part of the insurance cover. And unfortunately, um, I'm not sure that um, traditional brokers have actually recognised the, 
their place in the value chain where they can actually provide that value. Well, this is key, though, isn't it? Because we're talking about yeah, here, one of the things you're talking about is the specialisation and uh, if you're looking to add value and, and, and avoiding being inter- intermediators, I mean, trans- transactional sort of insurance that of a large volume scale is increasingly going to be wiped out by whether it's machine learning or technology. Yes. And it's got to be the, you know, the personal interactions to, to some degree that's going to keep people going. Well, it's got to be that, um, you know, that um, horrible phrase of adding stickiness, mm-hmm. um, you know, that means that the client comes back to you because of the additional services that you provide, not necessarily just the basic service that you provide. And I think that's a big part of being, you know, a, a 2.0 broker is that you can actually add those additional services. And you're quite right, you know, a data protection officer, a CISO as a service, those kind of assessments, those additional risk-orientated, risk-reduction-orientated services, you know, should be playing um, a big part in the way that brokers are, are thinking about things. But not all brokers, most brokers are not thinking about this. I suppose what we're, we're talking here, um, I think, about the role of a commercial broker, which mm. tends to be more specialised than, than, than a consumer-facing broker. So I guess we're not talking about your, your, your car insurance. Uh, no. But we're talking, if you're, say, you're a broker with a turnover of £5 million up, you know, mm-hmm. a year or good, placing grocery premiums of £5 million into the market, surely it's got to make sense to you know, be adding value in that sort of consultancy, consultancy specialised on them. Well, I think so. I, I mean, I definitely think so, and that's part of what I'm advocating is part of the Broker 2.0 approach is not only are there new skills um, and new um, aspects to the way that brokers will provide their services, um, but there's new services that they're going to offer, and it's really around risk reduction and risk mitigation than it is about you know just finding the right insurance coverage because ultimately if we think about it what a customer wants when they're buying insurance is risk mitigation they are want to mitigate the risk that they have perceived that they've got or um, you know that they feel will be damaging to their business um, so they buy coverage for that well part of them buying coverage is um, they, that risk reduction, so why not be providing those additional services, those additional risk-orientated services, um, you know, as a broker, uh, Mm. because it adds that stickiness, it means that you're actually there providing um, services to your customer, that means they're going to come back to you again. The more and the greater you know your customer, the more likely you are to be able to provide um, insight and information to help their buying decision. Um, and to help them further mitigate their risks. Mm. And all of that adds up to an experience that, you know, for many businesses will be very different to the uh, experience that they have with their broker or the relationship they have with their broker today. So would you would you advise that uh, brokers sort of um, work with in, in, insurtechs? Are, are, they, are they being impacted by insurtechs? What's going to happen? Is it? What I'm trying to say is, are brokers going to be replaced by new insurtech companies? Is that too too much doom and gloom, or or is the alternative option or likelihood going to be that they're going to work increasingly with that as partners with insurtech companies to to, to make to add more value to it? Well, I think it's closer to the um, you know to the the latter than the former. So I don't think insurtech organisations are going to you know replace brokers. They can't. Um, you know, it, technology can't completely replace uh, the role of a broker. Um, the basic role of a broker, you know, they can. Finding the cheapest deal, they can. That's where the comparison websites have come in 
and completely um, you know replaced many of the commercial lines brokers, um, you know, particularly for some of the the more simplistic uh, covers that we spoke about in the beginning, um, you know, car insurance, holiday insurance, um, home insurance, those kinds of things. Julia's going to cover a point there. I mean, I, I know some insurance, big big insurance companies, uh, certainly at sort of a large corporate level like London Market what they call so-called big ticket business. They're talking now about having insurance wrap wraparounds, which where they cover they cover a business for all of the risks. They're not just yep. their property risks, but their, their liability risks, their DNO, their ENO, uh, their cyber, the property, um, you know, the the oil and gas, the shit, the whole portfolio. Could you see that happening at more sort of a regional sort of growth level where you get a business and can technology help to integrate all of those risks into a portfolio? I very much think that those kinds of services will be provided. I'm not necessarily 100% convinced that's in the best interest of um, businesses always, mm. just to uh, you know, place all of their eggs in one basket. But, you know, um, you know organisations are going to review and evaluate that on their, own, on their own basis. But, yes, certainly as a, you know, as a regional broker, perhaps it is possible for you to be able to say... Um, you know, I'm going to uh, pack all these things together or bring all these products together. And it's not, you know, that's my job as a broker, perhaps, rather than uh, where it's historically been as, a, uh, you know, as an insurer, perhaps. So we talked about this broker 2.0. I mean, what, 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 what do our you know, listeners, if they're brokers out there, what do they need to do to upgrade to being a, a broker? Well, I think the first thing is to understand, you know, the concept, okay, so the concept is that as a broker, your role and your job is risk reduction. Part of the answer is, um, you know, through um, providing and finding uh, insurance that meets the requirements, your client's requirements, but it's also about those other aspects and about knowing your, uh, your customer that bit more. Now, a big part of that is data. And the insurance industry is awash with data. It's you know one of those those industries that really does collect a lot of data, but it doesn't necessarily know how to turn it into information. And I think that's one of the big things that uh, brokers are going to need to be able to do is to not only have and store that data, um, but to be able to process it effectively to their customers. Uh, benefit, mm. not just to be collecting the information to pass it on to the insurer, because that's a that's a very simplistic data processor role, and that's sort of where brokers tend to sit. Um, you know, at the moment, not all brokers. Uh, obviously, there's uh, a maturity spectrum here, but many brokers won't be collecting the information and processing it in a way um, to be able to analyze. Um, you know, their clients' needs. So, I don't know if this is a tricky question or not, but say say you're a medium sized broker in the mid in the Midlands and you've got you know four offices around um, you know uh, around Birmingham or just mm-hmm. uh, just south of Birmingham you've got you know 50 staff and very you know, specific uh, uh, geography <laughs> but you know you've got you've got four or four or five offices have you got enough data within your you know within your servers or whatever mm-hmm. which can actually you can use that data in a way which helps you to understand your client's risk or pass information onto insurers that, you know, that yeah, got those, legacy, those legacy systems can be cracked over to provide this data which will help. Yeah, so, um, you know, do you have enough data? Well, uh, I'm not sure you can ever have enough data um, because there's always more, you know, new insights that you can gain through, uh, you know, turning that data into information. Um, however, do you have enough data to make a start? Yes, absolutely, you do. But one of the other skills that a 
2.0 broker is going to have is the ability to uh, find and leverage um, external uh, data sources. And I fully expect to see um, you know, data partnerships to be part of, um, you know, part of the broker 2.0 uh, landscape as well, where you know brokers will perhaps be you know, working together to provide you know, more anonymized data. You know, not specific to their clients, but you know, more uh, anonymized data sets. Um, you know, working together to 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 pool uh, you know a number of regional data uh, brokers data together. To well, one, to one, of, one of the things that people, there are a number of these broker networks out there, aren't there? I mean, I've, yeah. I've, I've spoken to a few people that they were literally called the broker network. Yeah. Um, They've got like 700 odd members. I mean, I suppose if you're a part of that, I mean, you, the aggregated pool of data you've got there on, on an anonymized basis could be really powerful, couldn't it? It I mean, could if be. If you could bring that one together. Yeah, if you could bring that all together. But there's also many, many, many external data sources that are either available, um, you know, uh, free of charge or, um, you know, that uh, you know, perhaps you have to pay for. But there's lots and lots of data sources that can be used and then can be tied into your data to. You know, to prove a trend or to prove a point or to evidence um, how you're either helping your client or could help your client in that respect. And I think that's one of the skills that you know, 2.0 brokers are going to you know, bring to this relationship, bring to this party, if you like. So skills, I think, are something you mentioned. So I'm guessing in terms of talent and, and recruitment, one of the things you, you're going to need to be looking at when you, whether you're bringing on an 18-year-old who's contemplating an apprenticeship or or even someone who's just graduated, yes. um, you know, data skills and uh, skill sets are going to be would be presumably quite important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had this conversation. I think we've had this conversation on the podcast before. Um, you know, that it's far easier to teach a data scientist insurance than it is to treat an insurance uh, to teach an insurance person um, data, data science. science. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yes, I think data scientists or people with a um, uh, a data um, uh, analysis skill are going to be, you know, very useful not only to brokers but you know generally as we move forward. So you know, organisations buying insurance they increasingly want a, uh, a risk professional. Um, does does this mean that the traditional role of the broker is going to go away, or it's going to transform into it? Is it going to become more of a sort of a diverse role? I think it becomes a more diverse role. I, you know, I, I think that you know people are always going to, still going to look to brokers to um, get them the cheapest deal. Um, you know, and to make sure or the cheapest deal or the best deal. Um, you know, it's not necessarily always about the cheapest deal. Um, you know, sometimes it's um, you know a specialist cover that's needed or you know a, um, you know a cover to a certain level that's required. Um, and that's where you know markets like the London market. Uh, you know, excel because they're able to provide you know cover for virtually everything um, you know limit, limits that uh, you know in, an individual insurer wouldn't be able to provide but the market as a whole can actually make that cover and that's why you know, many of the complex insurance deals uh, from around the world uh, you know end up back in London uh, to be underwritten because well there's the breadth and breadth and depth of knowledge and experience in London to be able to provide that. Um, but there's also um, the the money and the infrastructure in the shape of the London market to be able to uh, provide that. And we talked about London market, but more wider than that. I mean, there's a lot, hell of a lot of you know, consolidation going on in the market. I mean, there was 
talk about Arch buying Barbican um, recently, um, it was in the, in the press and the insurance side, mm-hmm. but across regional brokers in the UK, I mean, the, the wave of consolidation over like, the last 10 years, and I think we're down, I'm not sure how many UK brokers, regional brokers there are, but probably four, four to 6,000, I imagine that, but when I first started out with insurance, there were well over 20,000, it's come down a lot. That, that wave of consolidation is only going to continue, I imagine, up to a point. So presumably having your data in shape is going to be an important thing, whether you're buying another broker or mm. if you're about to be bought by a broker, whether you're a, London, whether you're a top 10 independent broker in the UK or, or, or it's an SME broker. Well, or anywhere else in the world as well. You know, I think that's going to be increasingly the case where, you know, larger brokers, you know, if you're, a, if you're an insurance broker in, you know, California, yeah. um, you know, perhaps it becomes attractive for you to, you know, buy... Uh, you know, a mid-sized regional broker in, you know, in, Kansas, yeah, in Kansas, or perhaps internationally too. Yeah, you know, so those kinds of things are going to, um, you know, going to change. But uh, what's very much going to be the case is when organisations are looking to purchase or indeed looking to sell, they're going to want to make sure that the um, that they that the data is in the right order and that they're, mm. you know, that they've got all the the right GDPR um, stuff if it's a European. Um, transaction, um, you know, all the right permissions to be using the data, and actually that they're leveraging the data in the right way, um, and can demonstrate that, particularly if you're selling. And, yeah, and also the fact that you don't want to be buying something we've got six legacy systems that go back, you know, 30 years and never been upgraded since then, and you, all the nightmares you've got with that, you know, you're buying into all sorts of risks and, it's and a very duplication. Good, and, yeah, it's a very good point, Chris, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a real... Um, anchor around the neck of um, you know some parts of the insurance sector is that you know they've um, sweated these you know software and hardware assets um, you know beyond their natural life um, in many respects and you know what really needs to take part in, uh, you know whether it be part of broker 2.0 or or part of broker 1.5 uh, you know really needs to organisations really need to be looking about uh, that step to will do their data transformation, you know, complete a data transformation process so that they don't have, um, you know, the anchor weighing them down um, that is, you know, legacy systems. We're coming up to, it's, it's middle of August now, not far away from September, so we're probably coming up to IT budget season now, mm. aren't we? So, you know, if you're a broker now listening to this podcast, you're thinking about your budget for 2020, I mean, what, what should brokers be doing now to make the first steps or if they're towards that sort of uh, data transformation or operational transformation or if they're you know, two things if you haven't made the first steps what do you need to do and if you're halfway through you believe what well, what are the next steps you need to take to get as far as you can down that way? yeah okay so if you've not taken any steps at all um you know take the lessons and the learnings from this uh, podcast and uh, you know, reflect them into your business you know how um you know how mature is your um, ability to store and process data and turn it into information is it you know very very mature a little bit mature maturing or you know complete uh, you know are you a complete beginning on it um, you know wherever you are on that spectrum you'll know what you need to do to take take it forward but you know brokers historically haven't really uh, embraced innovation uh, so I think you know a big part of what brokers need to do now is to recognize their ability to innovate is is 
far greater than just a business process change. You know, what I'm suggesting here as part of Broker 2.0 is you know far beyond um, you know just you know, improving your processes. You know, this is a a change to be offering far more risk orientated services um, to be um, you know fully uh, fully fledged and uh, mature. Um, processor of, of insurance data and insights, so and, and insights. Right, exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, turning that data into information that allows your organisation, with its skills, its brokering skills, to turn that information into insights for your customers and your clients. Um, you know, that's really where you need to be. So, if you're budgeting right now, wherever you are on the journey, you know, think about what you need to do to actually continue that. And as we've spoken about before Chris, you know, innovation doesn't take place, you know, in the, you know, just in the realms of an IT environment, you know, innovation has to be part of a, uh, a holistic whole business approach. Um, if it just takes place within IT, you'll get innovation that's not business aligned or you'll get very IT centric uh, innovation. That's, you know, a 1990s approach, um, let's say, you know, for where we are now rapidly approaching 2020, we need to be in a position where it's a holistic, whole business innovation, not just one part of the business. Is is you know something the, the, the term you know artificial intelligence, machine learning gets banded around a lot at various conferences. But is is that technology mature enough now to help, whether it's a, a larger size broker or say a, a regional broker, whether it's in Kansas or whether it's in Mills and Keys in the UK? Is, are there tools out there that could be implemented now that could help people to automate their processes that you're aware of that could actually provide practical, tangible benefits now, not some kind of pipe dream that, you know, Alexa's going to be running your insurance in like you know, two years' time, but yeah. stuff that can work right now? Yeah, there, there, are, um, there are some major developments, major work that's been done around, um, uh, you know, done around that uh, for sure. And again, depending on the, the, the type of um, broker depends on, on on what they'll be looking at to get out of that. But yes, there are ways and means to uh, to provide that from you know from simple AI orientated chatbots, for example, that are able to interact with customers. Again, this is more consumer orientated in this particular example, but ranging from that kind of information gathering, you know, initial triage of of uh, issues, improving customer service. You know, right the way through to fully fledged, um, you know, decision recommendation, if not decision making. Okay. All right. Then on that note, I think that probably concludes uh, today's podcast. If there are any sort of brokers out there, um, whether in the US or UK, Chinese, whatever, I mean, worldwide, 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 we yeah. operate across multiple you know, jurisdictions. I mean, if you can get in touch with Darren directly, maybe what's the best way to speak to you, Darren? Uh, best way uh, is probably to uh, email info at fifthstep.com. So, yeah, yeah. Um, or yeah. of course, there you know, the, the auto, we have the uh, the website, uh, the Fifth Step Portal. As well. oh, <laughs> step portal. Very good, very good, Chris. Well done. <laughs> but which you can uh, you can see at www.fifthstep.com. F I F T H S T E P. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. Darren's yeah. got a LinkedIn profile. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if you search, um, if you search for Darren Ray on LinkedIn, remembering the the W uh, in Ray W R A Y. Uh, if you search for me on there, you'll uh, no doubt find me. And uh, if you search for Fifth Step on there, you'll find Fifth Step too. 
um, yeah, please do reach out. And if you wherever you download your podcast for um, or from, uh, please you know, do leave us a, a rating or recommendation or make a comment. If you're enjoying the podcast, it really helps other people find the podcast. Um, you know, who may be you know searching for something that's uh, you know going to help them in their business or help them uh, understand their IT environment a little bit better or understand, in this particular instance, their insurance environment. Good stuff. Okay. On that note, thanks, Darren. Thanks very much, Chris. Thank you.